Welcome everyone to podcast number nine. We have an excellent panel with us today and we'll start with Storts. Good evening. And on to Executive. Very good evening everyone. And AC. Hello. So um, this podcast is being recorded not long after the final whistle of the Palace game. So if you hear quiet sobs in the background, um, you'll understand why. So we're going to take ourselves back to a happier time, a much happier time. Um, An executive is going to share with us his away day experience at Man City. That was a very happy day indeed. Uh, It was was a game that you always go into with a bit of trepidation. Um, I've been there, I think, every year for the last 15 years, and we've conceded 15 goals in the last four visits. Um, So it's... uh, from the memories from uh, from years gone by, certainly where we've traditionally had a very very good record, uh, it was a game where I felt we controlled. I thought we started incredibly well. Um, slightly surprising the first eleven. I thought Lamella might get the nod ahead of some, but it all transpired well and worked out very well in the end. Um, I thought for the first half, uh, not much by way of goal scoring opportunities uh, at either end, to be honest. But I thought the way we sort of harried the ball, the way we kept possession, was really really strong. And at half time, actually turned to my friends and thought. I think we're going to win this. I just didn't see anything about City. And it was strange because City had a full-strength team out with the exception of De Bruyne. Um, and, you know, normally you've got players like Silva, Torre, very, very sort of uh, difficult players to play against. They've caused a lot of problems in the past. But there seems to be something different with this Spurs team where you just don't feel like we're going to be under serious pressure for sustained periods, regardless of the opposition. It just seems to be there's such a, a cohesion, togetherness, work rate and spirit that sort of uh, puts us in, in good stead. Um, obviously, had a, a rather large slice of luck with a, a somewhat dubious handball decision, which went in our favour. Um, I, sub- I read on Coyes this week that, you know, obviously you make your own luck and City have had their fair share of luck by being a med- med- mid-table mediocre team and getting bought out by a billionaire and all of a sudden winning the league out of nowhere. But I thought it was quite apt because I think Plattenberg owed us, uh, especially up in Manchester, I was at... United twice when he uh, didn't see uh, Mendes' goal, and then also when he um, gave away a goal uh, from Go- a mistake from Gomez as well, which is a little bit dodgy. Uh, but then also we've had our fair share of bad luck against City over the years as well. I think Rose got sent off at our place last season for winning the ball and giving away a penalty in a game that we lost five-one. So, um, so um, obviously Kane uh, took the penalty very, very well. Joe Hart did his best um, to put him off by getting in his ear, walking around the goal and everything else. Um, and then obviously when City scored, I think that was the first point in the game where we looked nervous. I think us scoring actually sparked City into action um, and it got the crowd galvanised a little bit. They felt hard done by. And there was just a sort of 10-15 minute spell. But as I alluded to before, Lamella not playing and then coming on actually changed the game. Obviously, I'm not a, a huge Lamella fan, but I thought his fresh legs and the through ball to Ericsson was fantastic. And, and obviously, what a, what a wonderful finish. And then even towards the end, bar the sort of fingertips from Luis in the 93rd minute, I never really felt like we were, we were going to concede. Um, and it was just a, a very, very good day. And I think a, a performance and a, a result like that gives the players such a lift. But when you look, we haven't lost away from home since the opening game of the season. We've been to, you know, I know we've still got to go to um, Chelsea. We've still got to go to Liverpool, which are two grounds we've got dreadful records. But I mean, th- th- this should give the team huge, huge confidence. Um, and just one final anecdote uh, before I bore you to death. Um, 
when Crouch scored at Man City about sort of five years ago to, to clinch fourth spot, that was obviously a, a very happy time. And I was actually I was actually driving that night as well. And, and as we got back uh, towards home, the song came on the radio. I think it was Florence and the Machine. Uh, the, the dog days are over. But at the time, we thought it was the dark days are over. And literally, just literally, just just as we pulled into into home again last Sunday, the same song came on the radio, precisely in the same spot. So whether that's some sort of omen for a, a positive season ahead, I don't know. But uh, certainly, you know, second in the league and back above Arsenal, and, and obviously in a in a great position to to kick on from here. When it comes to the music, it might be because you've only got one CD in your car. Possibly, yeah. I've, I've just got Flor- Florence and the Machine on on, on, on repeat. <laughs> um, I, I got a um, I got a message straight after the game from someone else who was up there, who you'll all know, but we probably shouldn't reference him because he's very touchy. So let's call him Mr. C Hunky, and uh, he he was so excited. Like it's very rare you hear him buzzing like he was. So I can't imagine for you, Executive, what the atmosphere must have been like at the final whistle amongst our fans. It was incredible. I mean, it's the first um, time we played up there since City have enlarged their stadium. So um, the, the away following was actually split into three tiers. Um, and because like, the roof is very high and there's not much by way of acoustics, it's hard to generate an atmosphere. So we were we were effectively right in the middle of the Spurs fans. We were sort of halfway up the middle tier. But we had the tier above us singing different songs to the tier below us. Um, but but from, from when Kane scored, the atmosphere was just incredible. And um, I, I came home, I got home about half ten last Sunday night and I watched the match of the day. Then I watched the whole of the second half again um, and just seeing the scenes behind the goal. And just it was, it was quite special. And then also when I got, got back and watched the game again, just listening to, to Carragher as well and his sort of full time analysis saying, Spurs are the best team that he's seen in the league this season. and I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to get applauded. It's, it's also nice, obviously, to go under the radar. I think we've done that quite well with uh, Leicester sort of rightly stealing a lot of the limelight. But it's, it's always nice to hear, uh, hear us being praised by those that have always been relatively critical about us as a club. So were you there for the... I assume you stayed on for the scenes at the end with the players and Poch. Yeah, uh, and I think that was, uh, that, that, that was a really special moment. I think, like... Like when you when you go every week, it's hard to sort of justify sometimes because obviously you know to find the effort on a Sunday morning to go up to Sunderland for lunchtime, whatever it might be. But you you do those trips for the special moments, and and last week was a special moment. I thought the the players all came over through their shirts into the crowd. Obviously, being on the second tier, I, I was never going to get one of those. But then I think that the, the most special moment was obviously Pochettino really um, uh, clenching his fists and looking at the Spurs crowd, and I think just that ultimate togetherness. I think was, was was great, and I think even um, I think the fans are becoming more patient. I think we can realise it's such a young team; they are going to make mistakes. But one thing you can't fault is endeavour, work rate, and effort. And I think this is the most cohesive Spurs side. I think we we we, we had something similar under Redknapp when we clinched fourth spot. So the team performance at the Etihad that night was you know, was, was very, very strong as well. But something's different with this team. I think that they're genuinely all mates. They all care about each other. There's no bad apples. Um, and I think if we can keep them together and add one or two, then I think we could be in for an exciting few years. Agreed. So on to the midweek game, the first leg of the round of 32 Europa League against Fiorentina. Um, AC, I'm not sure how much you can really say about this game. Uh no, I did miss the first half, so I will, I will do my best to talk about this one. Um, 
Yeah, Fiorentina. They're a difficult team to play away against. As um, Jake mentioned um, in the previous podcast, they've never lost at home against English European competition. Um, so it's always going to be a difficult game, but I thought we played pretty well. I thought, you know, considering this was pretty much their first team, this was very much our second team. I thought we played controlling decent football. It was a definite penalty. We could have scored a few more goals. Um, defensively, we seemed a bit shaky at times. They had a couple of really good chances to score. Um, and the goal was very much sort of lucky, but they probably should have scored in other opportunities. Um, however, I do get the feeling that on Thursday, we probably should be able to comfortably beat them. I don't see them having anything that should cause us too much of a trouble at White Hart Lane. Um, but then I felt that about the game today. So what do I know? And that brings us to today's game. Um, and Stoltz, you had the misfortune of being there. Yeah, I was, I was hoping we wouldn't have to talk about it, to be honest. <laughs> Trying to erase it from my memory already. It was just, it was just shocker, really. It was, it was Tottenham of old in many ways. Um, we didn't really seem up for it. I know we had a, we were quite unlucky. The one that hit the post twice. I mean, we had, we had a couple of chances in the first half, but we didn't seem to really want it. Um, without Toby, I think we struggled offensively. We just look all over the place. It's, it's a sign of how great things have gone when we can just shift things around and without Toby and without Dyer protecting them, the back four just seemed a bit, I don't know, didn't, didn't really, uh, know what they were doing. Um, the fullbacks, a lot of endeavour, but their crossing is is poor. Um, walk and rows, they get up and down, don't they? And we get in such good positions, but they never seem to offer anything into the box, which Kane can actually attack or anybody else, runners. Um, Palace, Palace probably wanted it a bit more today, I think. Um, I think all the, the talk in the media about us not wanting to be in three competitions and it's going to be have a negative effect on our title race, I think I kind of got into the players' heads today. Um, and if, if so many people are telling them, it's kind of hard for them not to think that. So really, yes, you can't really say much about the game. It's disappointing for a cup side not to, not to have got to the cup final or won the cup for 25 years. It's just, it's poor, really. Um, this club was built on the FA Cup, wasn't it? Eight years. And in my lifetime, we've won it, we won it once. And that was when I was, when I was very young. So disappointing, but we have to move on, don't we? We've got bigger things ahead. I, I didn't think it was too bad today, if I'm honest. I, th- I thought for an hour it was a really, really good cup tie. I thought the atmosphere was great. I thought it was end-to-end. I thought we could have easily been two or three up before they scored. And I, th- I think t- today was the first time we looked leggy. Um, and I thought the last, last half an hour we really, really struggled to do it, I think. I thought um, n- like none of the subs really had much of an impact. But I actually thought we played, first half particularly, I thought we played very, very well. I thought I didn't think there was much of a spark though. I mean, there's a few moments of individual brilliance, but especially Sonny's run, for instance. I didn't mm. think I personally didn't think we were great. Um, I also on the atmosphere, I thought we were poor. Which is something I'll get onto later. Um, I think later on a feature we're going to do. But I just I just thought, especially shifting the away fans, it just killed any sort of atmosphere we could have created. And Palace Palace were up for it, and I didn't think we were. Mm-hmm. Where'd you sit? 
I sit up in the north end. Um, yeah, so so I'm 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 East Lower, so I'm I'm very. And I actually thought the atmosphere worked well today because obviously you have the Palace fans in the middle of yeah. the Park Lane to like their left, and obviously to the, the shelf to their right as well. So I actually thought it made for a really good atmosphere, but obviously it didn't uh, translate its way across to to the rest of the stadium. I tend to agree with with executive. I didn't think we were that bad, um, and certainly there were. I mean, as you know, Ali could easily have scored two. It, it wasn't even um, a stretch to say that. And yeah, we had bad luck. I, I suppose I'm reflecting back on um, Executive's comment at, about City game, where you know we got a penalty that in, on many days we wouldn't have done. But then today we could have given away a penalty with Bentaleb. Um, it wouldn't have been shocking to have had that. So we had some good luck. We had some bad luck. And in the end, if you'd asked me, would I take the good luck of a penalty up at City and win that game or good luck to beat Palace today? I'd have taken the City win, honestly. No, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, to be in this position in the league, that's got to be our priority now. But it is disappointing. I mean, I think everyone really wanted a cup run, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'd, have t- I'd have taken this all day and quite happily have gone out or go out against Fiorentina. But the problem mm-hmm. is, once you go out one competition, if we have a bad result on Thursday and lose one or two league games, it can all unfold rather quickly. Exactly. So, um, I think I think winning breeds winning. And just to allude to Stortz's point before about um, the players perhaps believing the stories in the media, I think the fans believe that too. I mean, there was some people around me today that when we had a corner in the last minute, a couple of them turned to each other and said, actually, I don't want to equalise because I want to replay. And I just found that sort of mentality yeah. just, just baffling. Like I just, I just, I just don't get it at all. Yeah, I agree. And on to one more thing from the game today. What did, what did people make of the booing of Adebayor? I, 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 I personally thought it was unnecessary. I mean, I, I, I did a thread on this during the week. Um, if, we, if you'd boo, applaud or, or ignore, and I was very much in the ignore category. So was I. I, I don't think it was... It wasn't too bad, but it was just those that did boo booed quite uh, ferociously, and there was a lot of sort of hand gestures as he was walking up the touchline and, yeah. and, and things like that. But I don't think many people booed. It's just that those that did boo went probably a bit perhaps, over the top. Perhaps it was because the guy behind me spent the entire 75 minutes on the pitch. Every single time he got near the ball, he was booing. It was the loudest I heard him all game. I didn't hear him support the team once. But just I, know, doing I, I, I thought I thought Connor Wickham should have got a rougher exactly. ride, g- given the elbow he, he had. And I, 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 a... I, I, I booed Connor Wickham when his name was read out pre-match, and people were looking around me like, "What's he ever done?" I, was like, well, <laughs> I did the same thing. Did the same thing in the North Stand, and nobody seemed to have a clue what was going on. So mm. he's the type of player who I could imagine would like to rub it in. I just don't really see the point of it. No. Well, at least there's no, no coin throwing today. Chris Brubb's 50p richer this weekend, isn't he? At least, at least we're not on that level. Mm. Not this year, anyway. No. 50p's a lot of money. You're, you're making the point about how you know a loss or going out of one competition could lead to a sort of cascade effect across other competitions. Um, and with our next four games coming up, obviously, we have the second leg of the Europa uh, tie against Fiorentina and then and I would say three critical but the truth is every game is critical uh, three um, Premier League games on the trot Swansea, West Ham and Arsenal and we'll know a lot more about our season after those four games I guess my question to you all is which of those games are you least confident about us, us winning and why? Probably probably West Ham I think Arsenal personally I'm 100% nailed on we're going to win it I think we want it more than them 
West Ham, that could... It's their cup final. We've said it many years. They're going to be up for that. They're playing playing good football. They got Paye back. Um, last last time we played them at Upton Park, I think that's going to be a very, very tough game. But then again, I don't go into any Spurs game these days thinking we're going to lose, So, as, which is which is a change. But I, I think that's probably the one I'm dreading the most. Yeah, I just... I, don't, I, don't, I look at the four fixes and I'm there thinking... I don't know. I just I feel reasonably happy with all four fixtures, to be honest. I think it's just the unpredictability of the league. You just can't call anything. Swansea are going to come to the lane next week fighting for their lives. And they would have had, what, a two-week holiday. So only time will tell if that will do them good or not. They'll have Sigurdsson, uh, Norton, people like that, obviously, wanting to prove a point. So I think you have to look one game at a time. But certainly on paper, I'd have to agree with the guys and say West Ham away just because of how much it means to them. Um, and they're obviously on a very good run. And to be fair to Billich, he's, uh, he's built a really good football team there. Can we just point out there was the token Kyle Norton reference? Yes, I know. <laughs> I, I spotted it straight away. I knew. It was coming up. <laughs> I've not, I've not, I've not talked about him for three days. So I, I, just, just, I knew tonight was coming. Save it all up. Get it out. That's it. I think that's is, your answers in a way lead to to the realisation of that many of us have bought into the fact that perhaps this season is different and this team and this manager and this setup is different from what we've experienced over many years. Because historically, we've all been, the sky is falling every game. Um, and now it's, well, you know, sure, we could have a bad day, but mostly I'm confident that we'll win. Or if we fall behind, we won't crumble. We'll, we can fight back. Um, if we take the lead and someone equalises, we can go on to score again. Makes such a change. Yeah, I think it, it reverts back to Ian Dowie's um, bounce-back ability phrase. I think the, the games we have lost this season, the response from them has been brilliant. Like We, we lost United, we went 15 unbeaten, then we lost to Newcastle, I think won five on the spin, then we lost to Leicester and won seven on the spin. Um, it's, just, it's just a different different character uh, about about this side and nothing seems to phase them and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's rather pleasing to witness. And the game we lost today, we didn't have much of the spine of our team either playing or in the right place. True. Yeah, I, I mean, just going back to, to the league game, I think, um, like, like, I'm sure we'll get on to sort of heroes of the season a bit later on. But, I mean, Dembele's, um, you know, he, he's, he started every... Or we've not lost the game he started since United. He, he didn't play against Newcastle. And, you know, only had 20 minutes against Leicester. I know we were sort of losing 1-0 when he went off at half-time today. But I think it's, it's, it's Dembele, uh, Alderweireld and Kane for me, and obviously Lloris are, are those which we can't... We can't really do without any of them for 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 what about Dyer di- um, of course Dyer? yeah Dyer. but particularly at defensive midfield I mean that spine of the team has been outstanding this year mm. oh it has you, like you you can't, you can't you can't fault any of them at all uh, and uh, all of them are irreplaceable I do have to uh, I do have to give Dembele a bit of credit I remember the last podcast I gave him quite a hard time <laughs> and I gotta gotta hold my hands up and say I got it wrong he's been superb this season. Um, but I believe it was unfortunately for people who know Dimmy God that he got it a bit spot on. He, he did indeed. Um, then again, today, I think the problem with Dembele is when he is maybe, I don't know what happened today. Was he unfit? Was he injured? But when he when he's off his game, he is off his game, isn't he? He, he doesn't really offer anything. But when he's on it, well, as you saw this season, he's been pivotal to our success. 
but he, he hasn't been he hasn't been off his game for six months. I mean, he's he's literally been sensational every game. He's not just been good in every game; he's been sensational in every game. And I think it's uh, it's I think it's twofold, isn't it? It's probably confidence and it's probably fitness. I think he had big problems yeah. with his hip for for eighteen months. And I know people have their favourites and people have players they don't necessarily like. But all you can do is judge players on on how they see it. So if someone's playing badly you're not criticizing them or it doesn't mean you don't like them you're just calling it as you see it and for people to then say i told you so or this that, and the other like players form changes um so thoughts you've been having a look around the bnl and you have uh, thoughts on you, you picked out a thread or two um to share your thoughts on i did indeed i mentioned it earlier but it's actually a recent thread placement of the away fans by andy g and i know we touched on it with the executive mm-hmm. but i thought he made a great point personally i thought when they moved all our season ticket holders out of the South Stand there, who make the most noise, who, who start the songs and splitting them up around the ground, I think it, did, it didn't help the atmosphere today for us. Um, putting such large numbers of Palace fans there is always going to be difficult. Um, but just, just the way the club split that up, I, I don't think it helped us at all create an atmosphere. I think Andy G was spot on with that thread. Yeah, I, 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 I genuinely didn't. I thought the atmosphere was, was pretty good. Like first half especially, I thought um, as soon as Palace scored in the second half, it was flat. But I actually thought the atmosphere today was was good. And I thought the Palace fans, surrounded by two very vocal sets of, of Tottenham fans, made for, made for a good atmosphere. But um, like, like, like generally speaking, the atmosphere at Tottenham is terrible. But every home, every home game, every home ground in the league, I think probably with the exception of Palace, is dreadful. Like you go to teams with supposed like fantastic histories of atmosphere, like St James's Park or Anfield, and it's it's terrible. And fans start getting restless after 20 minutes if their team aren't winning. So it's just more indicative of the nature of how the game's going as opposed to it being a specific problem to Tottenham. Yeah, and the second one, if I can put another one up, um, I noticed was a topic by Forney which was Deli Alley hothead question mark. And I think I think that was very very good topic, good discussion in there. Um what do we make of Deli Alley's antics? It's weird because he never does it in situations that make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Like it's always when it's it's always off the ball stuff. Even today he got a bit like antsy well, with Kabai. Yeah, yeah, with Kabai. Although in that respect I don't think he did anything wrong today. They were, trying to, they were trying to wind him up today. Yeah, you He had a moment with, uh, I think... I think Joe Ledley, wasn't it? Joe Ledley, yeah. yeah. And that they were just sort of like having a little nibble at each other with their legs and and it, it had the potential to sort of bubble over. But thankfully, I think someone pulled them away. But yeah. so, I mean, to go, to go back to the initial point, it's... it's like, do, do, do the best players need that evil streak? You obviously see... Or hear lots of comparisons with Ali and Gerard. And obviously, Gerard's got a, a track record of doing silly things at silly times. But if Ali can achieve of a, a, a percentage of what Gerard's achieved, then I think we'll be okay. But it's just channeling it in the right way, and I think he'll learn. He's got the right manager, though, hasn't he? I think Pochettino knows what he's doing with him. All his yeah. comments regarding it is just—he—I think he likes it, Pochettino, doesn't he? he? He came out in the week and said he reminds him of himself. Mm. So. It's good. It's good. I, I think there was a thread on Coyes a couple of weeks ago as well, just saying we, our, our team have got a bit of bite as well. The fact that they're all sort of there and you, you've got players that have got that aggression and you need, like all good teams need aggression. And, you know, you've got players like Rose and Dyer and Kane, but they all stick up for each other. They all get stuck in. 
but obviously it's uh, you know hopefully it won't cost us any petulance won't cost us uh, crucial moments further down the line. AC, any threads you want to highlight? Uh, yeah, I had a good laugh um, one lunchtime uh, in the past week when uh, Stack Bundles did his thread on uh, the Paul Parker article that he did on Sky Sports. <laughs> it's, as soon as I read it, I was there thinking, if this wasn't on Sky Sports, I would full out think that Dan G had written it, um, where he claims that Man United should give Tim Sherwood the managerial job. <laughs> Who, who's actually paying Paul Parker to, to write these? I don't know. Eurosport. But, but, is it Eurosport? I think so. But, but are they paying for entertainment or because they think he's a plausible pundit? Like, what is... It's got to be the format, isn't it? You'd imagine so, right? It's, it's, it's just on another, on another planet. Um, but which uh, thread did you uh, like the look of this week? Well, I was, I was just going to go through the Ali Boyle one. Um, and, um, more to wasn't, the point, wasn't that your own? Wasn't that your you're own picking one? out your own thread. No, but no, but hang on. <laughs> if, 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 if you'd be if you'd be kind enough to let me finish. Um, but 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 one thing, one subject that came up in that thread was whether or not players should celebrate against their former club. So uh, I just wondered what the consensus was out on that amongst you fine people. I think it depends on depends on the situation, but on the whole, I think yes, they should. Um, you're not playing for them anymore, unless there's someone like, say, Lampard, when he scored against Chelsea, or even Defoe scoring against us. I mean, if you've got a long history with the club, maybe, maybe not. But on the whole, players are there's no loyalty these days, really, is there? So I don't see why they shouldn't celebrate. I always quite like it when I see one of our ex-players like refuse to celebrate. Well, I like it too, but I mean, I don't feel like it's something they need to do. No, I think there's two, there's two ways of celebrating. I think you celebrate with your own players and fans or you know you run up to the to the crowd and you give it to them I think if if, if you if you do the former then because I think I think Lennon obviously scored he he had quite a muted celebration at Goodison this year but he still hugged his teammates and everything else but he didn't sort of you know do anything disrespectful and I think that's probably the right way to go well ignoring my own question I've not picked a thread but I've picked a person and their point for reasons which will become clear. Uh, the person is a long-time Koizer King for King, and um, he has uh, some interesting stats around the performance in, our, in league games after Thursday or after midweek uh, Europa League games. Um, the reason I say it's not one thread is because he's, he's, quite, um, he's quite keen on the stats that he has, and he tends to liberally uh, sprinkle them around different threads. Um, I think possibly including one where it said, what should I have for lunch today? And he said, well, if on a Thursday, you know, you do have a large lunch, history has shown that by Saturday you'll want a salad. Um, <laughs> but, but, but given that, he, you know, his point is generally a good one, which is there is a significant difference in points per game um, after, you know, us playing on Thursday, you know, compared to not playing in midweek. And what I, and so there's no disputing the numbers. What I wonder though is what does it mean? Because, do we then have to say every year, let's pick one competition and focus on that? Is that realistic or even desirable? I, well, I don't think it will matter much next season if we're in the Champions League. <laughs> no, I think you just have to judge each season on its merits. I think this, this season, no one would have um, 
predicted us to be in this position in the league at this stage of the season. But it's, it's, a, it's a weird one because we've already played about 15 games in the Europa League and we've still mm-hmm. got another 15 games before we win it. Um, it's just one of those, it's just never ending. Uh, but, but, but for me, like, had we... Had, had we won today, I'd, I'd have quite happily... For, for me, the league and the FA Cup are the most important things because the biggest prize about winning the Europa is that you get a Champions League spot. But if we're hopefully, touch wood, being 10 points clear, um, that would be the one to sacrifice for me. And that's, I think, part of his point, is that if the numbers show historically you know, you're dropping on average a point a game by playing in the Europa League, given where we are in the league, that we have a realistic shot, should we be sacrificing the Europa League? I think now that we're out of the FA Cup, I'd probably just go all out for the Europa League. It's still a trophy, and we've still got good history in the in the Europa League slash UEFA Cup. The game is about glory. So we have a, a mailbag packed full of questions from Coisers. Um, thanks to everybody who submitted. Uh, apologies to those whose questions we don't get round to. Um, the first. Ten, I think. Uh, I've tried to bundle together, and they're all for um, Stoltz, who, as many of you know, um, is a celebrity, a major celebrity, um, <laughs> as he is the um, the researcher for Spurs for Football Manager. And okay. um, I'm so the, the first question is around how did you get into the role, and then the second one part is, and what does it entail? What do you do? Um, I got into the role. It was it was an open application process um, a few years ago. I saw it go up online. Um, emailed the head researcher, who we had we had brief discussions, and then nothing came of it. Um, about six months afterwards, he comes back to me, sends me an email, and says the position's come up. Um, I'm his first choice, and would I like to take over? So that that was basically that. Um, what it entails is finding. It's it's just a lot of time to uh, watch the youth team I mean I'd say that's the hardest part everyone can watch the first team and although we have our own opinions it's it's finding it's watching the youth team and trying to get the balance right there um, I don't know if people know the process with it but basically the head researcher gives me a target figure for our whole squad or the top 15 players um, they must meet this rating as an average so even even though I may think two players are the same level I might have to balance them out by making one weaker and one stronger to meet the average. Um, so that's how it works there. It's finding the time just to update the stats and make sure everything's ticking over and trying to get the right balance of where we are um, in in comparison to other teams. Can I ask you a quick question? Of course what, you can. What rating did you give Paulinho for aggression? Uh, I think I think it went down to about three by the end. Okay, cool. uh, that was being generous. Yeah, very generous. Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, do you work to a particular timetable? Is there a certain time of year where you have to have uh, all your yeah. ratings in? Yes. Yeah, so we've just actually last week I just finished the um, January transfer window updates. Very easy for us, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, but actually, we, as you will see, whoever plays for Magic on the update, Spurs have been improved quite a lot. Um, Due to our performance in the league this season, our average rating has gone up two, three points. So I've I've had to look at our players and make solid improvements. For instance, Dembele, for one. Um, I'd slowly, over the past couple of years, been downgrading him. Um, But I've I've had to put him back up, really. I couldn't do anything else uh, with his performances. And I've bundled three questions together, which were phrased in different ways, some more polite than others. Um, are there any players whose attributes um, you might have misjudged when you look at them in hindsight? 
Oh, certainly. Everyone's. This is one of the things. Everyone's got their own opinions on players, yeah. and this is just mine. But I try to do it as accurately and as unbiased as possible. I obviously have my favourite players. Um, other people have theirs. For instance, executive may think Lamella is higher rated than he should be. Um, but I always look at them. I look at them every every three months or so. Every time we have an update, I go back and I check them all to make sure they're still accurate. Mm. And so there's no player that you would, that when you look at them now compared to your initial assessment, you think they're, they're, they've turned out to be much better or not as good, significantly worse? Uh, they're, they're always players. I'm just trying to think of a good example right now. Well, I, I'd imagine Kane at the start of last season must have been pretty mediocre. <laughs> he was, although, as people may or may not know, I was touting Kane for quite a long time before he actually broke on scene. I never thought he'd do this, but I was always quite a big big fan of Harry Kane coming through the youth system so he was he had a high potential rating always um, do you control whether or not a player like has the desire to leave at the end of the season yes and no I don't have full power uh, it, it depends you can affect the loyalty for instance Kane I need to keep putting his loyalty up because nothing suggests he wants to leave the club yeah, but he keeps asking to go to Barcelona at the end of the season for me. Well, well, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Let's be honest. I'd quite like to go to Barcelona. If I can get, if I can get the researcher gig over at Barcelona, that'd be lovely. Traitor. <laughs> so next question, this one goes to you, Executive, um, from someone who often appears on the show and has decided that if he can't be here in person he'd have to make a, a contribution of some kind, and that's Jake S. He's sat, ne- he's sat, he's sat next to me, actually. Did he really? Evening, everyone. <laughs> you are there. Hey, Jake, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Prof. <laughs> oh, he's going to love this. Um, so his question to you, Executive, is, if you could take a point now from the North London derby, would you take the point? No. Because I think we need, I think that's a game we need to win. I think if you look at the remaining fixtures, I know Arsenal have got some tough away games. I think they've still got to go to United, City, Everton, and us. But I think we've we, their home games are incredibly winnable, and I think that's a game we probably need to put some distance or or probably maximise the points there. But oh, I don't know. I mean, they're such horrible, horrible occasions, and losing is unbearable. So, like my my, my head would say take a point, but my heart would say actually I want to go, I want to go and beat them. I'd, I'd agree with that. I don't think there's any team I would possibly take a point against, unless it was like for the title. So if it was like at Chelsea, you get a point, you win the league. Yeah, then I would. I'd have taken a point at City last week before the game. No Foolishly. I'm, I'm with AC. I, at the moment, I would not take a point from any game. I, I feel confident we can win them all. We obviously won't win them all, but I wouldn't, wouldn't take a point if it's on offer anywhere. You wouldn't take a point individually, but if someone said to you now, you can have four points from West Ham away and Arsenal at home, you'd take that, wouldn't nope. you? No, I want six. I'm really? Great. I'll I'll take that. I'll t- those two games, I'll take four points. I want them all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, AC, um, another long-time Coiser, and somebody I've, I've met in person, um, maybe some of you have, really a top man, uh, CDCD, and his question to you is, has Poch improved in his use of substitutions this year? Um, I think Poch is one of those managers who always has a pretty clear idea ahead of the game of what substitutions he wants to do. Um, depending on the game, he might change it and bring p- different people on. 
but I think he knows who he's going to take off and generally who he's going to bring on, which I don't really have a problem with. That's his style of squad management. I don't blame him for any of the substitutions he ever does. I, I might have a different opinion, but did today's uh, did today's subs make sense to you? Um, I think the only player I would have had real desire to bring on in today's game would have been Lamella, but he wasn't available, so I wasn't overly bothered. But was Dembele injured then at half time? I'd imagine, or was it? I'd imagine more that than tactical, or not? Maybe just giving him a rest. I don't know. He's been playing quite a bit recently. But I didn't see him limping off or anything. No, nor did I. No, it's a strange one. Someone, someone posted that he tweaked a hamstring, but I didn't. That was on the forum, but I didn't see it mentioned anywhere else. I'd imagine he might have had a niggle then, or, or sort of some sort, and they just didn't want to risk it. But I don't know. Speculating. So you weren't surprised with Ali and Son coming off? Um, Ali, I think we have to be a bit careful with. Um, especially with that whole dizzy spell thing. I don't know what the result of that was, but um, I'd be careful with him. And Son doesn't seem to be a player that can last a full 90. I think he tends to get a bit leggy quite easily in games. So I wasn't that surprised. I thought he was poor today, Son. I thought I thought for first half he did okay. Um, but it's, it's just decision-making. But I've, I've, I've mentioned it a few times. For, for me, the biggest concern within our... First eleven of the three that play behind Kane, probably with the exception of Ali, because I just think Ericsson, Chadley, Lamella are all as sort of inconsistent as each other, um, and I don't think you could ever you could pick two of them with real confidence and say they're definitely the best two. And I think um, Anoma's um, could I think he'll be a good player. I think he's got a lot of good attributes, but at the moment he's just got zero end products whatsoever. Yeah, the game. Um, Game kind of bypassed him today, didn't it? It was, he, just, he, was running, he was running around a lot, but... but that's all. That's all he does. I don't think I've ever seen him play a, a good pass or have a good shot. He's, he tends to have sort of a it's similar to what Lennon does. He sort of hits the floor before he hits the ball, um, scuffs a lot of things. Yeah. But um, so he's not showing any end product yet. But he's he's definitely a different player. Watching him in the youth teams, I mean, the stage is obviously is getting to him a little bit because he's he's very cautious and he's he's not like that. If you watch him in the under twenty ones, you'll you'll see him controlling the game and you'll see him dominating things really. But he do, he doesn't do it obviously at the first team level yet. But I think he'll come. He, he's clearly got something about him. Or Pochettino wouldn't be playing him. I trust his I trust his judgment. Yeah, I mean he's I mean you look at the the players like Carroll as well who. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, but I thought... He's come um, on just, Yeah, so, so going to pop, Prop's question just before about substitutions, I thought last week at City, obviously, bringing on Lamella was inspired because he set up the goal, but I thought bringing Carroll on for Ali as well at the time where we were struggling to keep the ball for a period. I thought Carroll actually put in a really good shift last week. So um, you're never going to get every substitution correct, but certainly at the moment it's looking like he's uh, getting more right than wrong. Yeah, I think though, but... Every his, his substitution is always going to look bad in games that we lose and they're always going to look good in games that we win and we're winning a lot more than we were last season so are his substitutions better than they were? I don't know it could just be results are much better for us now and are the results uh, a result of the fact also results a result well are the results um, a conclusion from the fact that uh, our squad is better than it was? I, I think Pochettino is doing much better better in terms of uh, getting the team shaped. Something I said to you the other day, Prof, was that yep. I think 
as the as we like the team are growing, Pochettino is adding more and more tactical elements to our game. Um, for example, the thing that we're doing at the moment is the centre backs are coming out towards the full back and then passing directly inwards towards Kane, who then does a quick layoff to one of the AMs. It's only something that we've started doing the past sort of month or so. Um, but it's these little elements that we're adding into our game that is improving our offensive performance. Uh, the, I, I, anyone who wants to jump in, feel free to this one. This is a question from, I'm not sure it's Glatza or Graza, as in Gaza with an R, but I'll go for Glatza because it sounds <clears throat> more um, Mediterranean. Um, it said, having read Hartyard's comments about Bentaleb, it seems he might have got too big for his boots. When I've seen him this season, he hasn't looked the same player as he did last year. Do you think Potts will be able to get him to knuckle down, or are his days numbered? Uh, well, this is very apt considering his performance today. Which yes, I indeed. Which I don't know about anybody else, but I thought he was diabolical. Um, I think, there's, obviously, we know there's a player in there. Last season, he was very good at times. And I think Pochettino will be able to get him to knuckle down. Problem is, we've got, we've got competition for places in front of him, and he's going to need to learn that he needs to up his game to get in, get in front of them. Dyer and Dembele have made those centre midfield spots their own. Carroll's obviously impressed so much in trading because he's come through. You've got, you've got Mason, England international, coming back from injury, but again, he seems to be ahead of Ben Slev in the pecking order. So he has to knuckle down. But I, I think Poch will get it right with him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go at the end of the season. That would be a shame. A real shame. It would be, be a waste. I think he'll probably see how it goes the rest of the season, but if he doesn't show signs of knuckling down, then I wouldn't be adverse to selling him. I do, I do sort of see what you mean, AC, in that, just taking a snapshot right now, there is something of the Townsend about him, in that you know, Townsend was in and around the team, then he was in and around the squad, then he wasn't in the squad anymore. Mm. Yeah, you know, I can brought... see that too. I, I, could, I could see him going, but at the same time, I think if he's given time, then Pochettino will get it right. But it was weird though because he played he played him at, he played ninety minutes at Leicester in the replay of the cup and he did really well and then he just wasn't in the squad like since on Thursday night. But for me, it's um, if you if you're comparing his ability to Mason and Carroll, he's, he's on a, he's on another level. But perhaps the attitude isn't there. But Ben Slev's attitude always impressed me. He seemed to have that real winning desire um, when he played games and stuff. But something's clearly gone on behind the scenes in the last sort of six six or ten months which have um, made him fall out of favour somewhat but even if he does go we'll, we'll always have that cross won't we we'll always yep. have that cross for Kane yep. we will indeed and might be the last question we've got time for um, I'll, I'll take it first and you guys can then jump in the question is um, do I'm trying to rephrase this in a polite way do and it says coisers but it might be spurs fans in general frankly it might be football fans in general but let's go with do coisers tend to rush to judgment on players after one or two performances remember the ccc here yeah, but i'm trying i'm really thinking carefully about my my response please ace is here and he, frankly he's looking for a reason to ban me um so i would say i'll um, I could go all the way back to Bale, and if you look at some of the comments when Bale first broke into the team, um, okay. frankly, we should never have purchased him. So, and even more recently, you know, I remember Vimmer's first game, like, why did we buy him? What a waste. And Davis' first couple of games, really? He's ponderous. He can't this, he can't that. Uh, Trippier on his debut, oh, he's really can't, he's got no skills. Carl Walker's much better. And 
in a short space of time, half a season, all of them are at least, we feel are at least competent, if not as good as the people that they are sharing the role with. So I guess my answer is a resounding yes to that. Um, Even though I understand it's natural, we all tend to react in the moment, and that's part of being a fan. It is helpful to stop and think about those players, how many have come good, if you give them a bit of time. It's amazing how how a run in the team can improve players' form. Absolutely. And, you know, you've got to remember about how Pochettino trains the players as well. Generally, he needs them to be in training for at least six months before they even start showing anything um, because of how hard they have to work. And I would be surprised if some of these players are having such a shock to their system that when they get to game day, they're just not on it. It's a very good point. You saw how long it took for Pochettino to get the whole team playing as he wanted them to. And as you say, it does take a, quite a long time for them to get up to speed with what Pochettino really wants from them. And some players never get there. And as we've seen, they're out the door, aren't they? So I think it, I think it depends on the nature of, of the opinion. I think if uh, some people get overly sensitive with players that are criticised and they think that they're being written off just because they've been criticised for having a poor game. I think if someone's going to be naive enough to after one or two games in a spur shirt to say they're not good enough. Um, that's, that's, that's quite a different statement to saying, oh, this person had a really bad game. Um, but, but, but for me, I mean, I, I, I personally feel I'm a relatively good judge of character. And I think as long as someone shows the right mental attributes as well as... Because oh, P- Paulinho, from his debut, I think it was at Palace, and then we play away at Arsenal... And I could just see just didn't want to get involved and things like that sort of stick in my mind. And it sort of makes me, uh, it makes me less patient, I guess, from a technical ability if mentally he's just not up for it. Um, so I'll, I'll be very honest. I'd be very surprised if, if Clinton and G makes it. I've, I've seen nothing of him whatsoever to give me any confidence. But am I writing him off? No, but I'm happy to say I'd be surprised if he makes it. I would agree with that as well. I would be very surprised if Clinton makes it at Tottenham. I think he's a perfect impact sub, so I'm not expecting him to suddenly jump into a first eleven position, but I think he's a good player to be able to bring on. I think we'd be better off if we had him. He's just he's just quick, but he just doesn't seem very bright. He doesn't seem like he's played football before. No. There you go. You said it. No. That makes you wonder, though, doesn't it? Obviously, because when you buy players, and I know a lot of people go on, on coins about Paul Mitchell and his sort of black book or his sort of system that he uses and stuff. So I, I feel a bit more confident now that we're getting it right. And I know everyone was, I mean, I was as frustrated as everyone during the January window for not strengthening the squad or buying a striker. But I'm also very much now in the belief that if you can't find the right player, both from a technical perspective, but also more importantly from a mental perspective, then it's not worth spending money. Because I think Pochettino's first two signings were Fazio and Stambouli. Um, <laughs> and, and they were both incredibly strange. But I don't think we can really give them as Pochettino signings though, can we? They're not who we wanted. No. Well, they were sort of very um, cheap backups versus... Thrust, uh, thrust upon it. Yeah, I mean, because he wanted Schneidlin and I can't remember who the centre-half was. It was a, um, yeah, yeah, Nassachio. Um But uh, yeah, not going to get it right all the time. I think it was probably after that that Daniel Levy decided just to do what Poch said. I think so too, yeah. After after some of his successes as well, I think he finally realised in either Pochettino, he had to follow what he said. And couldn't just keep shoehorning players into our squad because where's that ever got us, really? I don't know. 
but you can sort of, you can sort of understand um, Vertonghen's frustration, I guess, in the so last couple last couple of years playing alongside sort of Fazio and people like that. I and mean, then he must be happy as Larry now playing with his with his Belgian teammate. And I mean, what what a partnership they formed this year. Player of the season. Exactly, Toby. I think it's pretty unanimous, isn't it? Toby, player of the season. Yeah, by a long, long way. Toby first, then Bailey second, and then it's your pick between Ali and Dyer and Kane for third. Yeah. No Lloris? I think we've just come to expect great things from him, haven't we? I don't... You just you expect him to be 8, 9 out of 10 every week, so... He's cost us a couple of times this season, hasn't he? Yeah, New- Newcastle brings Ars- Ars- Arsenal away. Um, mm. If we're talking yeah. about keepers, what is the point of Michelle Vaughan? I know. He's, I like... he, he's, he, he had a moment today, didn't he? I, I mean, I've not seen it back, but didn't he nearly give away a penalty because he, he just stayed on his line and he should have come out probably about 10 seconds before he actually did. Yeah, and we had the corner that fizzed all the way across the six-yard box. Left. Good judgment. <laughs> he did. He watched. It. I'm he watched it go past and then put his arms up as if he had it <laughs> the whole time. I, I do think you, it's difficult to expect a lot from a goalkeeper that's going to play a maximum of like seven times a year. It is, but at the same time, would we not be better playing somebody like Luke McGee, for instance? Oh yeah, I quite like Luke, but I've, you I've know. never seen him play at all. Yeah, is, but, it, is he a good prospect? He's a prospect. And if we're gonna, if we're just gonna throw away these cups anyway, why not play somebody with a bit of potential and someone we can look to in the future? Not, not Vaughan. I mean, I don't think Vaughan offers anything. The goal on Thursday night for me, Rice would have saved it. Um, today, I haven't seen today's back, but beating it is near post. I don't know I, anybody. Uh, I think today's goal was more Sun Rose. and Rose. Yeah, I think a lot to do with Sun as well. He just stopped tracking completely. He just gave up on him. He did, and Rose decided to abandon his post. Yeah, uh, he, I saw him on the floor. I didn't really understand why. He had a good battle as a half today. I thought. I thought the two, it was quite quite even. I thought it was a half was uh, was incredible for half a game, and the other half a game it was it was abysmal. He's, I think he does so many tricks. He doesn't. He sometimes fools himself. But yeah, it was a good a good battle, and I thought Belassi's a, a player to keep your eye on. But he's twenty. I think he's nearly twenty eight this year. Um, so he sort of burst onto the scene quite late, but he's he's certainly got some some ability. But do you think if we if 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 um Davis and if you could merge Davis and Rose into one player, so you got rule, uh, so you got Rose's athleticism, aggression, pace, and then you got Davis' ability on the ball, and then on the same on the right hand side, if you had Trippier with Walker's physicality and everything else as well, they'd be the, the, the hey, best, uh, best fullbacks in the world, wouldn't they? Yeah. Wouldn't plan for Tottenham. Yeah. I do wish Rose made those same kind of runs into the box that Davis makes. Yeah. They are so good. I honestly have got to the stage, and Rose has improved a lot, but I really like Ben Davis. If I was starting, if I was choosing a cup final team right now, I would pick Ben Davis. And would you pick Walker or Trippier? Probably Kyle Walker still. Hmm. I but don't Tri- like. I don't like how poor Trippier is when people try and just run past him and put a cross in. He's yeah. really weak. I do like the quality of his crosses. Yeah. He's great, great technique. Really good technique. Yeah, but look, it's, 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 I think Pochettino's got the fullback rotation spot on. I think that Davis and Rose had started 18 games each um, yeah. before today. Uh, and Trippier's played, must have played 10 games as well. So, um, and obviously a, bit, a big part of our system and 
and sort of plan relies on having very uh, sort of athletic and capable fullbacks. So he's he's got that right this season, I think. And how lucky are we to you know not to be having to play a centre back as we did Yan at left back and uh, a defensive midfielder, which I think Dyer did at right back for a few games, where we actually have choices at the fullback position. Very. I like I like have, our group. We have no spare, there's no spare parts in the squad anymore, are there? No. Every single every single player in this squad can contribute, and you're you're happy-ish if they're in the team. Um, and I think that's the first time I've ever seen it. We have we have a squad which is full of people that make contributions. I'd agree with that, and I think I think what that does as well it just keeps everyone on their toes. So I think the, the, the season we bought Davis. Everyone had identified that left back was the most urgent thing we need, just because Rose had been so abysmal for the prior six months. Mm-hmm. And since Davis has started, signed, Rose has stepped up significantly. And I think since we signed Trippier in the summer, that's made Walker kick on as well. So it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's all part of keeping players on their toes and but still keeping a good team spirit and unity within the squad. Guys, I have a question for you, which is uh, it's not on the list. It was something that somebody PM'd me for some reason, just asked my opinion. When and my suggestion was they start a thread, but they didn't. Um, but they asked me to to uh, rank our attacking midfielders. Well, they play different positions, don't they? So well, I didn't know where to begin answering that, so I'm looking for help from you. I mean, I'd probably say you look at someone like Deli Ali. Very important to the way we play these days. Um, but as as executive mentioned earlier. They're all a bit of a much of a much, aren't they? You can inter- interchange them and not really get get anything better or anything worse from them. So I look at it a different way. I, I sort of answered it by saying they actually had different skills. So, for example, Ericsson has, I mean, Ericsson's free kicks, for example, or his finishing are, are exceptional. Yeah. But I wouldn't call him, his ability to tackle is worse than, than my mother's, frankly. And, and that's saying a lot, um, you know, because she hasn't played for years. You know, obviously, since the incident with Vinnie Jones, and um, and but but you wouldn't say that, for example, about Lamella, who's far superior in the tackle um, to Ericsson. Ali's got a different set of skills to Chadley. Yeah, I think if I think if you answer the question a different way, because I think you you select the players based on who we're playing and what they're offering at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think if you ask the question in a way of of the attacking midfielders, which ones would you least like to lose mm-hmm. from the squad? Lamella, for- right, executive. Uh, uh, sorry, what? Uh, sorry, it went uh, went quiet. Um, but, 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 but for me, for me, like Ali's the one you'd least want to lose. Ericsson's clearly the second one you'd least want to lose. I think the other three are much of a muchness. I think if you ask me now, I'd probably say Son, then Lamella, then Chadley. Hmm. I think there's only one out of that group that can actually play a proper through ball, and that's Eric Lamella. Yeah. And if you're looking for an attacking midfielder. You're looking for someone who can create opportunities, and he is the best at creating opportunities out of that group. Ali's obviously like got the potential to be the best attacking midfielder in the world, probably. But at this moment in time, Lamella is the one I would trust to actually be able to put the right weight and actually be able to put the th- ball through to Harry Kane. I would, I would agree with you 100%. Lamella has shown on more than more than one occasion how good he can be if he's given time to put the balls through. Um, we haven't actually capitalised on it enough, I don't think. Um, but as we saw with his ball through to Ericsson at City, that was so well-weighted, wasn't it? Hmm. Ericsson actually overhits all his passes. Unbelievably. It's, yeah, I, th- I think Ericsson is, for me, over- overrated. I think I think when he's good, he's, he's very, very good. 
but his his weight of pass is not is not great at all. No, it's not. Son is far better at weight of pass than Ericsson is. So on that bombshell, we're going to end Coyscast number nine. Hope everyone's enjoyed listening to it. My thanks to AC, to Executive, and to Stoltz. Come on, you Spurs. Oh, yeah.